You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. A'udhu billahi minash shaitanirajim, bismillahirrahmanirrahim. In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. May the peace and blessings of Allah be upon all of you. Good morning, everyone. Uh, we are here together. It is 7.03. It is Friday, the 3rd of October, 2000. Oh, 3rd of November today, actually. I'm still living in the past. Uh, 3rd of November, 2023. And I am joined by Imam Tukit and Sahib. And myself, uh, Jalees Khan. I hope you're having a wonderful morning. We have a very interesting uh, show for you today. We have, obviously, a very interesting topic. Um, climate and its effects and cholesterol. Uh, high cholesterol, actually. Uh, we're going to be talking about high cholesterol in the second part of our show. And the first part of our show will be covering climate change and its negative effects and how it affects society and us as a whole. So if you are looking forward to any of these um, topics, then please stay tuned and we will cover these topics as best as we can. We will also have um, the Islamic perspective as well as well as an interview uh, regarding the climate change um, that we will also present by Mr. Matthew Kassour. So if you are interested in any of these topics, then please stay tuned in. We'll have a short interlude and then we'll go over the news this morning. عن عبد الله رضي الله عنه عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم أنه كان يقول اللهم إني أسألك الهدى والتقى والعفاف والغنى Hazrat Abdullah narrates that the Holy Prophet وسلم, used to recite the following prayer O oh Allah, I beg of thee the right guidance, safeguard against evils, chastity and freedom from want Writings of the Promised Messiah God Almighty has bound up belief in His own existence with belief in His messengers. The reason for this is that man is invested with the capacity of believing in the unity of God as stone is invested with the capacity of flaring up. And a messenger is like the flint which elicits the spark from the stone by striking it. It is, therefore, not possible that without the flint that is to say, without a divine messenger. The spark of the unity of God may be ignited in a human heart. It is only a divine messenger who brings down Tawheed, belief in the unity of God, upon the earth, and it is achieved only through Him. God is hidden and displays His countenance only through a messenger. أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال ينزل ربنا تبارك وتعالى كل ليلة إلى السماء الدنيا حين يبقى ثلث الليل الآخر يقول من يدعوني فأستجيب له من يسألني فأعطيه 
من يستغفرني فأغفر له Hazrat Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu narrates that the Holy Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam stated Our Lord the blessed the exalted comes every night down on the nearest heaven to us when the last third of the night remains saying is there anyone to invoke me so that i may respond to invocation is there anyone to ask me so that i may grant him his request is there anyone seeking my forgiveness so that i may forgive him welcome back welcome back <coughs> Um, as we are all aware, uh, this morning it's pretty chilly outside, and the weather seems pretty bleak, with Storm Kieran also causing an uproar. This will also tie in with our topic of climate change and how this is all affecting us. We have had in the past uh, Storm Dennis as well hitting us in the past few years, and now Storm Kieran is upon us. Uh, I think it was yesterday that I came across that there was a bus in south western uh, England and uh, the wind was so ferocious that it actually broke or it, it blew the window in and the and, and the bus had to, had to had to wait on the side so we will be covering that topic in climate change If we just go to a short interlude, and then we will be covering the news. The Promised Messiah, peace be on him, founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community in Islam, states, When the blessings of Allah are near at hand, he provides the prerequisites for the acceptance of prayer. The heart is stirred, warms up, and begins to glow. When, however, the moment is not opportune for the acceptance of prayer, the heart lacks that tranquility which results in turning towards God. However much one exerts oneself, the heart does not respond by exhibiting willingness. It is so because at times God exerts His decree so that His will be done, and at other times He concedes to the prayer of His servants. That is why as long as I do not perceive the signs of God's willingness, I do not entertain much hope for the acceptance of prayer. At such times, I submit to the will of my Lord with greater pleasure than that which I derive from the acceptance of prayer. Indeed, I know that the blessings and fruits of this submission to the will of God are greater by far. Welcome back. If you just go through the headlines that we have in the newspapers, uh, we see that Daily Ter- the Daily Telegraph speaks about Musk, the meeting between Musk and Rishi Sunak regarding AI, and that Musk tells Sunak that AI will end work. This is f- this is further emphasised in another newspaper that I was actually reading, or that I came across, that AI means that uh, AI means nobody will have to work. Um, Again, a lot of news about Storm Kieran and how we are being completely battered by it. Um, a lot of uh, a lot of places have been affected by it, um, namely Scotland. A lot of floods have been affected. Um, a lot of people have been displaced. So we have them in our prayers. 
Apart from that, interest rates are held at 15-year high as the BOE warns of of stagnating economy. And just more news about Storm Kieran. If you just go towards this news regarding AI and Rishi Sunak and the meeting between uh, obviously Rishi Sunak and uh, Elon Musk. Um, I mean, AI has been in use for a very long time now. Everyone is on ChatGPT. And uh, we see that AI has been used for everything. ChatGPT has been used for um, helping out with uh, what, helping out with even homework sometimes and even uh, uh, creating a creating CVs so it is a great use but it is a uh, could also be as uh, seen as a curse we will go to a short interlude until we uh, gather our thoughts thank you so much writings of the promised messiah I call to Allah to witness that the holy Quran is a rare pearl its outside is light and its inside is light, and its above is light, and its below is light. And there is light in every word of it. It is a spiritual garden, whose clustered fruits are within easy reach, and through which streams flow. Every fruit of good fortune is found in it, and every torch is lit from it. Its light has penetrated to my heart, and I could not have acquired it by any other means. And Allah is my witness that if there had been no Qur'an, I would have found no delight in life. I find it that its beauty exceeds that of a hundred thousand Josephs. I incline towards it with a great inclination and drink it into my heart. It has nurtured me as an embryo is nurtured and it has a wonderful effect on my heart. Myself is lost in its beauty. It has been disclosed to me in a vision that the garden of holiness is irrigated by the water of the Holy Quran, which is a surging ocean of the water of life. He who drinks from it comes to life. Indeed, he brings others to life. The Promised Messiah, peace be on him, founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community in Islam, states, Islam expounds the most excellent doctrine that in the interim period after death, every soul is vested with a sort of body which is essential for perception of pleasure and torment. We cannot accurately describe as to what substance that body is made of. As far as this mortal body is concerned, however, it ceases to exist. Moreover, it is never observed by anyone that the same corporal body is revived in the grave. On the contrary, this body is often cremated and many a time corpses are also preserved in museums or kept otherwise out of the grave for long periods. 
If it were the same body which were to be revived, it was very likely that people would have observed this happening. Nonetheless, the revival of the dead is very much evident from the study of the Holy Quran. Hence, one is compelled to believe that the dead are revived in such forms as we cannot see. Most likely, that spiritual body is composed of some highly refined constituents of this material body. The soul having been thus provided with the body, human perceptions are reinstated. Because this new body is far more rarefied and ethereal in nature, a much wider avenue of visions and revelation is laid open to it. Hazrat Umar radiallahu anhu was known for his great governance. He would often patrol the streets at night to ensure nobody was left suffering unduly. On one occasion, he was walking in the dark and he heard some children crying. Attracted by the sound, he went to the tent from which it came. Whenever he got to the tent, he saw a woman sitting before a fire. It appeared the woman was cooking something while her small children sat crying nearby. It was late for the children to have their meal. Umar, radiallahu anhu, stepped up to the woman and inquired, what is in the pot on the fire? She explained that she had no food to give the children and had placed a pot full of water and stones on the fire in order to give them the impression that the food would be ready. Hazrat Umar, radiallahu anhu, was distressed to hear this. He hurried back to the state store, picked up a bag of flour, meat, cooking oil, and some dates, and rushed back to the tent. His servant begged him to let him carry the load, but he refused, saying, it is my responsibility. You will not carry my burden on the day of judgment. Arriving at the tent, he delivered the provisions to the woman and told her to prepare the meal. In the meantime, the children, so exhausted, had fallen asleep. Hazrat Umar, radiallahu anhu, waited until the meal was fully prepared and the children were awakened and fed. The woman thanked him for his kindness and by way of expressing gratitude said, it would be far better if you were the Khalifa of the Muslims rather than that Umar, who is not aware of the condition of his people. Hazrat Umar, radiallahu anhu, said, well, mother, Umar may not be so bad after all. Welcome back, everyone. I hope you're having a very pleasant morning. Um, there's an article that I actually came across that I actually I would love to share with everyone. And this is about cold therapy. Cold therapy, yes, cold therapy. We are all afraid of the cold sometimes. It gets very, very chilly sometimes and we have to cover up and keep warm. However, cold therapy or having cold showers in particular might be very, very helpful. So there's one article that I came across, it's actually in the news, and a lot of um, health fanatics see a lot of benefit in this, being very healthy, and obviously after going to the gym or even after having an excruciating exercise session, maybe even playing football or badminton, any of these sports, we see that having a cold shower might even help our muscles and help our recovery time. So what is cold therapy? So cold therapy, also called cryotherapy, uses exposure of cold temperatures to cool the body's tissue for therapeutic reasons. 
there are several ways to apply cold therapy. And I mentioned one of them is cold showers, which involve lowering the water temperature below 60 degrees to two to three minutes at a time. We can have a cold sprays used to numb a small area. Um, you have cold water immersion or ice baths. Again, this is something that maybe um, a lot of people have seen nowadays. You know, a lot of influencers are doing it. A lot of people who are, again, interested in keeping in shape and keeping their physique in a tip-top shape, um, they, they might utilize this as well. They might fill a whole bucket up with um, ice-cold water and throw maybe extra ice in as well and immerse themselves within this bucket. And uh, localized ice application to treat injury. So this is the, the, the this this is nothing new. We we always see where when when someone sprains an ankle, we say, "Oh, put some ice on that." Um, and then whole body cryotherapy, which exposes the body to very cold vapors. Apart from obviously, we see the physical, um, we see the physical benefits of it. The tissue repairing, the time of uh, recovery increases. I'm sorry, decreases uh, drastically. We also see that cold therapy actually blusters immunity and it blusters immunity to common colds. If you see that going from a hot to cold shower, even for a couple of minutes, might protect you from circulating viruses. And the shock of cold water can stimulate the blood cells that fight off infection. One study in the ne in the Netherlands found that people who switched to cold showers for 30 to 60 to 90 seconds for 90 days called out sick from work 29 less percent than people who didn't switch to cold showers. Apart from that, something very interesting that came across was that this actually combats depression. Seems quite interesting, combats depression. And limited research is available about the effects of cold water therapy on depression, but the research that exists shows some positive results. So in one clinical study, participants who took daily showers for several months reported decrease, uh, decreased depression symptoms. And additional research suggests that cold water may boost your mood and decrease anxiety. I guess it's a very um, interesting feat that you have to actually go through to actually mentally prepare yourself to going into a cold shower or jumping into a cold bath because, I mean, it's, 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 it's out of the norm. You want to be in your um, secure, safe environment um, and you don't want to leave that space. And then just kind of putting yourself out there, putting yourself in an area and out of comfort and coming out of it maybe even better might have some mental benefits. We see that it increases your metabolism. Your body expands energy trying to stay warm in a cold shower. And the result may be a small amount of calorie burn as well and increased metabolism. Apart from that, it reduces inflammation and prevent muscle soreness. So we came across this as well. I previously mentioned this. There's nothing new when you sprain your ankle. Uh, you do put uh, some ice, maybe you have an ice pack. We see that cold temperatures make your blood vessels tighten up. What happens next is that blood moves to your body's core and vital organs. The blood naturally becomes oxygen and nutrition rich during this process. As your body heats up again, the blood vessels expand, bringing the oxygenated blood back to your tissues. As it flows back, it helps to rush out inflammation, 
a cause of delay, delayed onset muscle soreness, which can occur a couple of days after exercise. So these are all interesting facts that I thought I, I would share. I would share with you. However, I mean, scientists are, or even um, scientists and other uh, profession, uh, professionals in this, in this area of study um, have brought this to light, that the cocoa therapy, I, I do believe, has existed for many years. Um, but I, I think it's become a norm now because of social media and obviously mass, uh, well, a lot of videos going viral regarding how cold therapy actually helps you. A lot of uh, sportsmen, a lot of uh, athletes actually use this technique and have been using it for a very long time now. I believe um, it actually became... Um, it's probably uh, well well known in um, uh, circles that involve um, athletes. However, I remember uh, the first time I came across this was in 2016, and it was actually Jamie Vardy, yes, the Leicester striker. I think that was the year they actually won the Premier League. It was said that the reason why he is so energetic and so pacey and so fast is because of these um, ice baths that he's he that he immerses himself in ice, and uh, it increases his recovery time and it makes him more energetic. So that's the first time I came across this. However, what if I was to tell you that in the Holy Quran this is actually mentioned, this is actually signaled towards um, cold therapy. So we we see the story of we see in the Quran. Regarding, sorry, I've just lost my place. We see in the Holy Quran, it mentions about such a prophet who went through such extreme, extreme hardship. He was given everything. He was given land, he was given wealth, he was given children. However, the citizens of this of his kingdom said that if God took everything away from you, you would you would turn your back on God because God has bestowed everything upon you. But because you have been given all these blessings, you are obliged to to worship Him and to uh, to exalt His greatness. And God tested this prophet. God said that okay, I'll I'll do that. He. God took away all his kingdom, all his children, so much so that just every, he was left with nothing. He was, he was wandering in the desert. And even then, even to this point, he exalted the name of thy Lord, of his Lord. To which, at one point, God Almighty said that enough is enough. I have tested you. And God Almighty said to this prophet, Strike and urge thy riding beast with thy foot. Here is cool water to wash with and drink. This means that after all this hardship that God put him through, this is trial and tribulations. God only gives trials and tribulations to those whom he loves. And this is a perfect example of such case. We see that God Almighty told this this prophet, this beloved prophet of his, to jump in cold water and to drink from this cold water, this 
this this pool or this stream of water that God Almighty provided him. And he jumped into this water. And afterwards, he came out of it perfectly fine. He came out of it. He came out of it perfectly fine. And uh, he had sores all over his body as well, sores. So he had pores coming out of his body. He 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 was um, stricken with illness as well. And this 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 cold water that he drank and he bathed in actually helped helped him to get better. This prophet was obviously Prophet Job, and we are all aware of his story. I've I've kind of like, I've, I've I've given a short summary of. Um, his life and this I just wanted to touch upon the, the the previous fact that I mentioned from the article that I was mentioning that cold therapy actually helps with depression and anxiety and I have no doubt that Prophet Job went through this hardship but he still had trust in God Almighty but this cold water must have affected him mentally as well it must have aided him and this is mentioned in the Quran 1400 years ago by the grace of Allah this is one of the blessings of the Holy Quran I think we will seek a short interlude and after that we shall go towards our main topics of this morning which is climate change and high cholesterol so if you are interested in any of these topics please stay tuned for them we seek a short interlude so is the Ahmadiyya Khilafat a dictatorship the simple answer is no, it is not a dictatorship. This question can be raised by two types of people. You've got one who are religious and those who are irreligious. If it's the religious people who are raising this question, then this question or this allegation simply backfires to any other prophet who ever existed and any of their successors because our system of Khilafat is no different to the divine leadership that they followed. When irreligious people ask this question, then it should be understood and it should be explained that when we talk about organized religion, unfortunately, there is this impression around the world that in an organized religion, you don't have the freedom to do what you want. You have to follow certain rules and regulations and um, you're, you're bound by a lot of uh, laws. And when a leader comes into the equation, it becomes even more, you know, uh, something to worry about. So to such irreligious people, it should be made clear that when we accept the Khalifa, we do so willingly. When we perform the pledge of obedience to the Khalifa al-Masih, we're not only pledging our obedience to Khalifa al-Masih, but in fact, it's actually pledging our obedience to God Almighty. And we do so willingly. There is no coercion and there cannot be any coercion in that sort of a pledge that you make. Now, another thing that needs to be borne in mind is that a dictator is someone whose say and want and desire, it goes without any question. No one can challenge it, no one questions it, and uh, people tend to accept it as it is. And the dictator does not allow anyone to give suggestions or proposals. But we see the Ahmadiyya Khilafat to follow the very basic Islamic injunction, which is to uh, consult them in important matters. Or the other in Quranic verse, which uh, says that whose affairs are dealt with through mutual consultation. This verse is a description of the believers. And we find that Hazrat Khalifa al-Masih, he consults various administrative bodies when making important decisions to do with the administration of the community or matters to do with faith itself. 
Now the Holy Quran is complete. The Islamic teachings are complete and perfect. They don't require any further addition. But the reason we have a Khilafat is because the implementation of Islamic teachings in every passing day requires some form of interpretation. So whether we're talking about the era of social media, the era of the internet, or the era that we uh, are experiencing nowadays, which is a global pandemic, we require some form of interpretation and direction in implementation. And that we get from the divinely guided leadership of Khalifatul Masih. A dictator tends not to keep a close bond with their followers. They don't tend to keep a very close tie with their subjects. But the Khalifatul Masih has a very close and personal relationship with each and every Ahmadi Muslim around the world. The Khalifatul Masih writes to his followers. The Khalifatul Masih meets with his followers almost on a daily basis. And this is something which the Khalifa does to ensure that his followers are well and that they're pursuing the highest goals possible in every sphere of life. So is the Ahmadiyya Khilafat a dictatorship? The answer is no. It is not a dictatorship. It is far from such a thing. The Ahmadiyya Khilafat is such a leadership which the world is very unfamiliar with because there is no equivalent that can be drawn or parallel that can be drawn to it in the world that we know today. But the Ahmadiyya Khilafat is something that the world is in desperate need of. Listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. In the name of Allah, the Gracious, the Merciful. Assalamualaikum, peace be upon you, and welcome back to the Breakfast Show. You are joined by myself, uh, Tokir, and uh, also Jalis Khan here in the studio of Voice of Islam. And uh, we're just going into our first segment now, and uh, we're looking at climate change and its effects. Um, so we, we do have uh, two guests, uh, two experts on this particular subject that we will be speaking with, um, and we're just waiting on our first guest, um, Matthew Kasur, who who will be joining us later on. Uh, but this particular topic, uh, it's uh, it's. Uh, Jalees, if you can uh, read the gist of the story as to what we'll be discussing in this topic. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as um, uh, absolutely, that's my pleasure. And um, uh, yeah, as as I was going through in the beginning with the with the weather and obviously with Storm Babbitt and Storm Kieran, um, we see that is obviously affecting us quite a lot. A lot of floods, a lot of school closures are affecting us as well. 
So in light of this, we, we, we felt that this probably needed some stress with the climate change and whatnot. So we see that Storm Babbitt is unprecedented weather heading. Um, well, was, well it, this was last week and uh, Storm Kieran is uh, affecting us uh, well right now as we speak. Um, so this the the, 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 lead, the red alert covers part of East Scotland and uh, Dundee and Aberdeen and uh, with um, some locations to see 200 to 250 millimetres of rainfall. Um, I think we should all be ma- making sure that we're all safe and prayers go out to all those people affected by these storms. Um, I do believe that Scotland has actually been affected quite a lot. Um, I myself being from Scotland, I I also have family there, so um, by the grace of God, they are safe. Um, however, power cuts have been seen in those areas where my family lives. So um, family cuts have been reported in Burnt Island and Cooper and Fife, um, Bonnie Bridge and Falkirk. Um, so all of these areas have been affected by this is Storm Babbitt in specific right now, or they were affected. Um, interestingly enough, I came across another story where um, a couple actually fell into um, the the water and they were actually miraculously saved as well. They mm. were saved um, by the grace of Allah, um, but as um, absolutely atrocious out there. So we're definitely getting battered by these storms. Um, apart from that, um, on on, on Tuesday, so this, this this past Tuesday, the Met Office raised the level of its warning for Eastern Scotland now as well, from yellow to more severe rating of amber. So these are the issues that we face and then that we have actually faced. And Storm Kieran is um, nothing less of a, um, a behemoth of a storm. This is definitely approaching us and uh, it's upon us. And uh, hopefully um, our callers and our guests will be able to um, shed some light on these storms. Absolutely, and uh, it's uh, very rightly you mentioned that, and we do have our first uh, expert on. It's uh, Mr. Matthew Kasur, and uh, he is based at the uh, Leverholm Centre of Wildfires, Environment and Society at the Imperial College London. Uh, So it's a great privilege to have him on. Uh, Peace be upon you, and thank you for joining us this morning. Hi, uh, pleasure. So I wanted to ask you, first of all, is that what is the difference between uh, climate change and global warming? If you could please uh, shed some light on that. Yes, of course. It's a very good question. So when we talk about global warming, uh, we're generally we're talking about the observed increase in the global average te- uh, temperature. So uh, yeah, what we have seen since the pre-industrial period is you know, global average temperatures, which have uh, increased until and we're now at a point where it's about 1.2 degrees uh warmer than it was uh around the sort of around the industrial revolution but this is yeah this is a global average um and if we want just get one number that sort of quantifies the effect of all of our greenhouse gas emissions then that's quite useful as you know one number that you can talk to people out talk to politicians about and uh sort of simplify it down into one number, but it's not actually very useful for describing the impacts this have on people because what people experience and what impacts them isn't actually the global average temperature. What people actually experience is sort of the weather and the climate in their particular part of the world. And this, uh, so this global warming, this increase in the amount of heat in the whole sort of climate system has a whole load of other effects, so it also affects the amount of rainfall, for instance. So you can have more increased 
uh, more extreme flooding due to more intense rainfall, but also periods of longer drought as well in some areas. Also, you, know, you have more frequent heat waves, more frequent uh, sort of temperature increases, which can be different to which we like lot much larger than the actual global average. So some parts of the world are warming much faster than that global average as well. Uh, so climate change is uh, a broader term that reflects the fact that this you know, global mean increase in the temperature actually has a range of impacts um, depending on where you live in the world, which aren't just temperature related. Um, and so it reflects the fact that what really matters to us is the way that uh, the actual weather we experience and the climate that we're adapted to, that our infrastructure is adapted to, is changing in a variety of ways, uh, even though it's all ultimately driven by this uh, increase in the total amount of energy in the Earth system. Thank you for that. And and I guess my my next question is uh, that what evidence can we can we provide to show that you know climate change is having an effect on the environment? So, so we have an enormous amount of evidence that the climate is changing. Uh, so we have observations going back, say, uh, at least to the sort of period from the Industrial Revolution. Uh, over most of the land areas of the world, which show very, very clearly that we have steam warming. And uh, say on global, on the average, we're about uh, 1.2 degrees warmer now than we were around pre-industrial. Some parts of the world are much warmer than that. So um, Europe is, uh, has warmed, actually most, most land areas of the world have warmed more than that. Um, regions like the Arctic are warming Sort of two to three times faster than that global average. So, certainly in terms of temperature, we have a lot of observations that um, show us pretty, you know, very conclusively that there has been an increase in trend in temperatures. Um, and we're now also seeing things like, um, say, the increased sort of flooding and rainfall events as well, where, and we can do attribution studies where we use climate models, for instance, to look at what the frequency of uh, of rainfall events or what the intensity of rainfall events or heat waves or other impacts like that, uh, how often they would occur in the present day climate versus in a climate with, without the increase in greenhouse gases that humans have created. Um, so we can do those experiments with, with computer models and look at how the sort of, how the frequency of those impacts have changed. Uh, so, you know, as, as an example, um, a, stu- a study for this, very recently from this year where we had the very severe flooding in uh, in sort of Greece and Syria earlier mm-hmm. in the year, um, mm-hmm. which found that, that that sort of rainfall event, that intensity of rainfall was around 50 times more likely now as a result of climate change. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's 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 a very it's very sort of clear now that we we see weather events, which have become like many many times more likely, or in some cases would just not have been possible at all uh, without the climate being warmer as it is now. Hmm. Um, thank you so much for that. Thanks for joining us this morning as well, uh, Mr. Matthew. Uh, thank you so much. Really appreciate you taking your time out. 
Right, so I actually have a question. Um, you've, already, you've, you've already mentioned one of one of the impacts that climate change actually has, obviously the increase of uh, temperature in our climate. But what other long-term impacts could we see um, on our world? And is there any way that we can prevent this? Yeah, very good question as well. Um, so, yeah, so although the most direct way that increased greenhouse gases, gas emissions sort of affect the climate is through warming so that has a load of knock on knock on effects so yeah we also see seeing things for instance like increased frequency of wildfires and that in turn has effects on things like air quality so you have more fires which means more smoke pollution uh, which is sort of has really bad health impacts on people um, and then also there's other some other effects non-temperature related effects as well like if you because you're increasing the amount of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere that also increases uh, the amount of carbonic acid in the oceans, um, and so you see things like um, sort of ocean acidification uh, and mm. also warming of the ocean, which is sort of uh, damaging coral reefs, for instance. And so we're, mm. um, you know, there's going to be ecological impacts like that as well, where certain ecosystems are just not going to exist anymore. Um, and what I mean, what we can do about it is we can stop emitting greenhouse gas emissions um so we will continue to see planet warming we'll continue to see the climate changing so long as we continue to emit more greenhouse gas emissions into the atmosphere and so and that you know that the science is like extremely clear about that but of course um yeah but thank you so much thank you thank you so much for that that answer and that clarifies quite a lot um obviously this this is the this these are the things that will affect our planet but uh, what impact do these changes have on human health and uh, and our standard of living? Would it have any correlation with this? Yes, yeah, certainly. So, I say, many of these effects have have sort of direct or indirect effects on human health. So, there's things like increased frequency of heat waves, which are known to be responsible for you know, lots of heat-related deaths when they occur. Things like air quality, as I already mentioned, if you have uh, increased frequency of fires. Um, and, yeah, no, so some parts of, some parts of the world, uh, hmm. if you have, yeah. Of course, of course. More, 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 extreme, more extreme heat are going to become increasingly difficult to, you know, for people to actually sort of live and work in those areas unless you have, things like air conditioning for instance because mm-hmm. it's just going to be sort of too hot in the middle of the day to, to work outside I mean, but in some parts of the world it's already the case but it's very difficult to work outside mm-hmm. uh, in the middle of the day unless you unless yeah and that's only going to become worse mm-hmm. and so yeah so there's lots of factors in terms of inequality as well that play into that so you know if you if you live somewhere like Europe UK or North America mm-hmm. You're relatively wealthy, sort of developed countries. Mm-hmm. Then, obviously, there is more capacity to adapt to the sort of the changing climate that we're going to see. Mm-hmm. Um, countries which are you know, less well developed and which historically are much less responsible for the climate change as well. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, they it's much harder for them to actually uh, be able to invest in adaptation to climate change hmm. uh, to sort of keep their population safe from the impacts of it. Hmm. Uh, so many things like sort of rising sea levels as well. So 
mm. small island nations which might actually cease to exist mm. uh, by the end of the century just because of sea level rise. Um, and so yeah. those people are going to have to be relocated. Um, yeah, no, I, I understand that. That's um, okay. It's alarming, if anything. Um, we need to <laughs> look after our planet, look after ourselves. Um, just out of curiosity, so obviously um, we, we're based in London. London is is is, is fairly, <laughs> I think, it's a common sort of common knowledge that it is fairly polluted um, in terms of emissions of um, cars and and whatnot. Um, do you think it's worth investing in an air purifier? So a lot of people um, have um, maybe it's just a trend. I don't know. Maybe you can shed some light light on this. Is it worth investing in an air purifier if you do live in um, polluted areas? Ooh, uh so it's going a little bit outside of my expertise, but so it depends what kind so what a lot of people think of in terms of air purifiers, which is something that sort of produces a, a kind of a scent that sort of smells nice mm-hmm. that actually isn't really purifying your air and it's not um it's not making the air you breathe in less sort of harmful because actually the what the, the scent it's producing actually is itself. Uh, lots of little sort of droplets of um, of some chemical that you're then breathing in, and so although it smells nice, mm-hmm. it's actually adding to the actual air pollution that you're getting in your house or whatever. Okay. Uh, you can get devices which actually do actually like which actually filter the air, mm-hmm. um, and so uh, quite a lot of cars now actually will have sort of air filtration devices so that uh, in the sort of the air conditioning system, for instance. Uh, and aircraft and stuff as well, but they, they have so they have air filtration systems that remove particles uh, from the air, and so that uh, can be that can be useful, so, you know, particularly if you're sort of sitting in traffic and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of in your house, um, it probably my, my sort of my intuition would be that it, yeah, unless you're living somewhere very sort of polluted, but mm-hmm. that's going to be uh, expensive and yeah difficult system to sort of yeah unless your house is kind of like sealed and airtight and you have <laughs> yeah um, yeah sort of vents where you can install it um, which not probably not very properties are suitable for mm-hmm. although I, I understand thank you so much for shedding some light on that um, I think maybe just a, a trend that people have um, but uh, that, that's perfectly fine thank you so much for answering all the questions and shedding a lot of light on um, these current situations and issues thank you so much oh my pleasure Thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Matthew, for, for joining us and sharing your expertise. Uh, we certainly enjoyed that. Uh, so, I mean, uh, you know, you were mentioning, uh, particularly, Jalice, uh, uh, Matthew mentioned that uh, one particular issue of climate change is that uh, sea levels are rising, of course. <laughs> and uh, one of the effects for that is that some of the islands um, around the world they are actually going uh, they 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 are you know in a couple of years time potentially um scientists say that they will be underwater mm-hmm. i remember i was watching a um, documentary as well there was one particular island um known as um kiribati mm-hmm. um and this is literally if you search on google maps where it is it's literally right in the center of the ocean and uh, <laughs> scientists have predicted that within the next 50 years mm-hmm. that particular island will be underwater oh wow so it's um 
it's very alarming um and uh, you know even the locals have seen some of the major effects uh, that climate change has had on that and you know i i guess for us we we probably don't realize that such for a, for an island mm-hmm. which you know people have been living there for so long yep. uh, they're seeing the effects of um climate change before their very eyes yeah and and i guess when it comes to this issue um it's it's a collective effort isn't it yep. um that we all should play our part uh when it comes to climate change as well and that's what his holiness says as well that um you know it's sometimes it's those baby steps that can make a difference um that you know if we look at our, our own lifestyle how much are we doing to sort of um look after the climate are we uh, burning fu- fossil fuel on a on a daily basis are we burning uh, a lot of those fuels which are affecting the environment mm-hmm. um you know now even for like the small smallest of journeys we tend to use the car um, yeah. instead of taking the bike or maybe walking and uh, that 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 does have an effect yeah, on the climate as well and uh, islam actually says that we are custodians of the planet absolutely and we have a duty to look after the planet yeah. um and even if if it if it's these little small little steps uh, we should play our part uh, when it comes to um Yeah, absolutely. No, the key is that's perfect. Yeah, uh, I was thinking exactly the same. Um, for, for, especially when you mentioned that for any little things that we that we do, um, that we usually take the car. However, um, I do believe it's His Holiness, um, the fifth successor of the Promised Messiah, on whom be peace. Um, His Holiness mentioned that um, we have become lazy, and for any little activity, we we, we use the car, and. Uh, our beloved huzur um his holiness um instructed us and uh, urged us to use more public transport and if anything walk walk to these um walk to these uh, these places that we want to intend to, to to go to um an interesting point i don't know if um it's worth mentioning here um the holy prophet peace and blessings of allah be upon him ha there's a very interesting hadith um beautiful hadith um and then this, this is that um the holy prophet peace and blessings of allah be upon him has said that each time um each each step you take towards the mosque you have one reward written in your name mm. and the mosque is the most frequent place that you do that, that a muslim visits d- during the day and if an individual obviously takes the car every single like five times a day towards the mosque uh, it, it, it could be detrimental but the holy prophet peace and blessings of allah be upon him has placed a reward for those people who walk towards for every the mosque for every step friends and this is this is this encourages muslims to actually you know what i'm going to go uh, and walk towards mm-hmm. the mosque instead of uh, obviously mm-hmm. um causing harm to the the world and this is again this is something that you mentioned that us as muslims we are vicegerents of this world we're custodians of this world it mm-hmm. is our responsibility to look after it this is a blessing that god almighty has given absolutely and uh, as you mentioned his holiness we do have a short a uh, little clip for our listeners and uh, it is on the question um on how important is it for an hindi muslims to fight climate change so we're just going to be listening to that clip uh, so let's listen in 
My question is, how important is it for Ahmadi Muslims to fight climate change? Very important. You should try to avoid using your car while traveling for a short distance. Either walk to that place or use bicycle. Hmm? Right? Yeah. Cycling is good for your health as well. Secondly, every Ahmadi should make it a point that he should plant two trees every year. This is how you can fight climate change. If you are here, if we have 30,000 Ahmadis here in the UK or more, then every year we plant 60,000 trees. If not possible here, then those who travel to other countries, they can plant trees there. So in this way, we can help control climate change. Okay. Uh, so that was a small clip from His Holiness and His Holiness. He mentioned tree planting within this um, within this uh, answer. And uh, it's interesting to note that uh, there's a very famous uh, narration of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. <clears throat> and um, although I don't have the exact wordings uh, in front of me, but His Holiness uh, has said that if, uh, if, a, if a Muslim, uh, he plants a tree and uh, that tree then that plant then becomes a tree and fruits then grow from that tree and animals and human they benefit from that tree then every single time um, a person or an animal benefits from that then there would be a reward for that believer who has planted that tree Um, and as we know that when a tree when it gives fruits uh, it's continuous and uh, every season you know you'll see that the tree sprouts and you know not only humans benefit from it but animals benefit from it as well so god almighty says that every time an individual benefits from it <clears throat> there will be a sadaqa there will be a reward <clears throat> for every time the individual eats from that so it's such a beautiful narration and it just goes to show that uh, how important it is for tree planting as well um and um, i don't know if you remember jalees um because you yourself, we, both of us have graduated from Jamia in the UK. Um, even even within our premises, uh, at our sports field, they had planted trees all over the pitch. Um, because the thing was, there was an issue there that uh, the soil itself, uh, it was very soft. And uh, every time we, we tried to play sports on it, um, it would get very, it would be difficult to play for it. We'll, we'll get stuck in the mud or mm. something. So one... Uh, one uh, thing the organizers what they what they did was that they've planted trees all around the pitch mm-hmm. um just so it will soak up all the all the moisture yeah. and it'll have a different so, mm-hmm. so yeah. it, and 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 uh, one interesting is to notice that within within the Ahmadiyya Muslim Youth Association and other auxiliary organizations within the community as well um we do do tree planting on a regular basis as well and and you'll come across our website or uh, you'll come across our news where a lot of the youth members they get together and they plant trees and this is um, very important and it's very beneficial to the environment as well absolutely absolutely i think it's very interesting that you mentioned that our auxiliary departments are 
very active in this in, in this matter and this is something again that His Holiness um, Hazrat Mirza Musur Ahmad um, may Allah strengthen his hand has actually emphasized on that the auxiliary departments um, namely um, the Youth Association and those um, life devotees as well they should um, immerse themselves into um, well in this in, in this area and that is tree planting and funnily enough um, discussing tree planting and this is actually marking the 100 years of the ladies uh, department so the ladies community mm. in our um in in, in in our community and uh, something they did actually um in commemorating this this this, this massive feat is actually tree planting um and uh, i think it was very um uh, common uh, i think it was well known in, uh, in in canada as well they did it in canada as well absolutely you are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. In the name of Allah, the gracious, the Welcome back again to The Breakfast Show. You are listening to myself, Tukir Ahmed, and Jaleez Khan here in the studio of Voice of Islam. Um, and we're just discussing the topic of climate change, a very important and pressing matter. Um, and uh, we we had uh, uh, on on the line um, Matthew Kasora, and we listened to uh, he shed some light on this uh, particular topic topic, which was uh, very interesting as well. Um, and so we're just waiting for our next uh, expert who uh, will also be uh, discussing this uh, particular topic. Um, Jalees, if I could come to you, if um, you could, uh, you know, just uh, shed some more light on uh, in Islam, why why is it important to, you know, look after the environment, or what what does Islam say when it comes to climate change? If you could shed mm-hmm. some more light on that, of course, yeah, my pleasure. Um, Islam gives guidance on all social, economic, political, cultural, and other substantial issues of life. Although climate change and environmental issues are contemporary, Islam has been tackling them before they came um, such a grave threat to our planet that they are now. And Islam has been given us guidance on such matters for more than 1400 years. The Holy Quran and the practice of the Holy Prophet Muhammad, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, has provided a guiding light to promote sustainable development. I think we discussed this earlier as well. Um, and that Islam teaches its followers to take care of the planet. Muslims believe that humans should act as guardians, custodians, or as vicegerents of the planet. And in the Holy Quran, um, we see that it is stated, it is he who has appointed you a vicegerent on the earth, and that they will be held accountable by God for their actions. Elsewhere, there's a beautiful saying of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, where he says that the world is sweet and green, and verily Allah has appointed you as a representative and a trustee over it. Again, this is further emphasizing that this is actually part of our faith to actually look after the planet to ensure that environment is well and good. This is our responsibility as Muslims. Again, this is illustrating that we as Muslims have a religious duty a religious duty to safeguard um, the world's natural environment. Thanks so much for that, uh, Brother Jilis. We do have our first, uh, second uh, uh, expert on, and this is Professor Robert Marsh. And Professor Robert Marsh, 
He is a professor of oceanography and climate. Uh, thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you for inviting me. Can you hear me? Yes, very loud and clear. Thank you very much. Um, so, Professor, I wanted to ask you, how do current global warming trends compare to historical data and what factors contribute to observed changes? If you could shed some light on that. Yeah, okay, thank you. Um, well, global warming, as we currently know, it started around 170 years ago in the mid-1800s. And in fact, recent research that was published just last Wednesday, so two days ago, revealed that the warming trend or the rate of global warming has accelerated from around 1990. Uh, that trend currently stands at around 0.2 degrees centigrade per decade. So that's about one degree every 50 years. Now, this is remarkably fast compared to past warming rates, uh, well before industrialization and, and long before that. So, for example, it, it took several thousand years for the Earth to warm up by about six degrees centigrade uh, from the last ice age, mm. beginning of, of our current warmer climate around 1,000 years ago. Uh, why is all this um, happening so quickly? Well, all the evidence, I think everybody is pretty familiar, uh, points towards the equally remarkable fast rate at which carbon dioxide concentrations are rising in our atmosphere through human activity compared to past changes in carbon dioxide that contributed to previous warming that were in turn associated with much more gradual changes in Earth's tilt and the orbit of the Earth around the sun. So we are currently in charge of the rate of climate change, the rate of global warming. Great, thank you so much for that as well. And uh, I think one one particular issue we were discussing with the previous um, guest as well, that uh, sea levels are rising and this is having an effect on uh, some of the islands around the world as well. And, um, you know, a lot of the scientists, they are predicting that, uh, for example, I was looking at a documentary of a particular island called Kiribati and they were saying that within the next 50 years, uh, that is all going to be under the ocean. So if you can also um, shed some light on that as well, that... uh, what 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 is the forecast in terms of some of the islands being affected by climate change? Yeah, uh, is uh, intrinsically part of climate change because um, the oceans are the major player in, in our climate system. I'm an oceanographer, by the way, so um, my understanding of, of the ocean is is probably um, my strongest area and. Um, the oceans are gradually warming. Um, as seawater gets warmer, it, it, it expands. Um, you imagine a, a glass of water, you heat it up, it's going to get slightly um, more, more volumetrically um, expansive. So that means that the surface goes up. And this is happening uh, at, at a steady rate at the moment um, because the oceans are warming at that's that rate. Uh, meanwhile, our uh, great ice sheets of Greenland and Antarctica are losing mass. They're, they're melting and they're breaking apart at the edges. Mm. This ice goes in the ocean melts away and adds more mass to the ocean, and that again adds a little bit to the to the rise of the sea levels. Mm. This is happening 
broadly everywhere, but in some places it's happening more rapidly than other places. And some of the islands that you mentioned may be uh, succumbing to sea level rise more, uh, more quickly than other places uh, because there are subtle changes in the way that sea level is rising around the world. And this varies through time as well. So um, scientists are continuing to increase their understanding of how and where sea levels are rising. But we can expect the sea levels to rise maybe half a metre in the next uh, century, in this current century, I should say, beyond the year 2100, long after some of us have passed from this earth, um, the, the sea level will continue to rise for many more centuries. So it gives us time to, to react, respond, adapt to the rising sea level. But it's on small islands with a relatively uh, low-lying uh, land then you've got nowhere to go. So, yeah, it's, it's a really serious issue for small uh, island nations. And, and I guess when it comes to the most um, severe impact of global warming, do you think the uh, most concerning is sea levels rising when it comes to global warming? Well, actually, I think there are broader challenges and impacts of climate change uh, one of the most concerning impacts for me is the hydrological cycle. So as the atmosphere warms, uh, the natural cycle of evaporation and rainfall accelerates, which means that the dry places will parch more. So so much of the Islamic world is, is uh, found, found in, in the sort of belt of um, atmospheric subsidence where we find this, this dry climate. And mm. um, these dry places are going to get drier. Mm. Uh, meanwhile, the, the evaporated water is heading off, falling elsewhere over places we know to be already wet, but they're going to get wetter. So these places are going to flood, and uh, those floods are going to become more frequent and catastrophic. So, so that's one major concern. I've already mentioned the other two, actually, which is uh, that the oceans are warming faster than ever before. And, and these warming oceans are just cause sea levels to rise, but they kind of store up a lot of heat that goes back into the atmosphere that in places that basically um, drives these great storms, such as the storms that have only this last week been impacting the UK and, and France. Uh, but there are sort of lower latitudes around the tropics. We have uh, hurricane cyclones and typhoons, which are getting more sort of extensive and powerful and catastrophic as well. So that's another impact, and, and I mentioned the ice sheets too. But by losing our ice sheets, again, we don't just see a rise of sea level, but also we lose the <clears throat> kind of protection of the planet at these high latitudes where the ice reflects sunlight. And um, consequently, we're going to see even more warming potentially. So there's a lot of um, connections in the climate system. And we, we still have to worry about some of the more surprising changes in in, say, ocean currents and, and patterns of winds, which, which can further disrupt our relatively predictable weather. So, so many things to worry about, I'm afraid. Um, ultimately, that will impact life on Earth and ourselves. So, yeah, that, that's kind of a, a somewhat um, ominous outlook. But, but there is, I think, prospect for optimism if we, if we think about 
what we can do about all this. Absolutely, it's a very alarming um, situation. Uh, my colleague uh, uh, here has, has a few questions as well uh, he wanted to ask you. Okay. Good morning there, um, Mr. Marsh. Uh, may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon you. Um, my question, uh, I, first and foremost, I would actually really appreciate, I would like to show my appreciation. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Uh, it means a lot to us. Um my question is, are there any promising technological advancements or strategies uh, that you believe could significantly mitigate um, the effects of climate change? Yeah, um, I think I think we, we all can see around us there's a lot of positive uh, technological advancement, which, which is in particular reducing our dependence on the hydrocarbons, which seems to be at the um, the root of all this, um, all the evidence points to that. And we're seeing a massive rollout of renewable energy schemes. I think that's um, going to continue to develop the um, technology improving every year. I think beyond the hard engineering solutions to our power needs, my, my um, view is that smarter computer technology may help navigate the way ahead. So. Uh, as we saw this week, actually, artificial intelligence is increasingly in the news. And my own area of research, we're starting to use machine learning, which is a kind of part of the um, AI kind of landscape to make sense mm. of yep. complex patterns in, for example, highly detailed satellite images. But AI may also be deployed to sort of optimize our life support systems, so to minimize our carbon footprint, to maximize sustainability in food production and transport. And so I think finally we need to be um, better able to reduce our uncertainty about the effects of climate change that we want to mitigate. So, again, I think smarter computing, as computers are getting powerful and environmental sensors ever more ubiquitous and prolific, then the data output from all these systems are getting overwhelming and humans struggle with overwhelming data. So how do we cope with that? Um, vastly increased climate monitoring and simulation. Well, I think, again, machine learning and AI can help out, translating all that information into manageable and useful decision-making. So I think it really boils down to both the sort of hard technology but also the soft technology of um, of, of what's coming down the line. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for shedding some light on that. Um, and how can individuals and communities as a whole uh, and other corporations contribute to combating global warming? Okay, I think that's a question for just about anybody, isn't it? Um, yep. but, but I can say carefully here, I think individuals should think very carefully before voting in local and general elections, because if you look carefully at your the outcome of your vote, um, yep. that can have major consequences. Um, so then we can also make small individual decisions around consumption and behaviour. You know, I cycle to work, for example. I know lots of people do, do their bit. Um, communities can collectively support local initiatives that promote sustainable food production, transport, power supply, etc. Um, corporations are, are increasingly incorporating sustainable practice into their operations, realizing that makes sound business sense. Saving on power and waste translates into better profit margins for them. Mm-hmm. Well, consumers and shareholders also demand and expect more responsible corporate behavior. Mm-hmm. So a lot has improved in the last 35 years that I've been involved in climate research, but there's still lots of room for more improvement. So I think that gives us 
grounds for optimism because we can do a lot better. Of course, of course. Um, thank you so much, uh, Mr. Marsh. Um, I think it would be very uh, beneficial for our listeners uh, to know a little bit more about yourself. So, as a as a, as an oceanographer, um, what is it in particular that you look at, and what 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 what's a, what what are the studies involved um, um, in this field? Yeah, that's a good question. Thank you. Um, so I, I've moved around a bit over the last, uh, as I said, 35 years. I started off um, developing computer models of the ocean, and then I moved on to including those computer models of the ocean in models of what we call the Earth system, which includes the atmosphere, the ice, um, the biological parts of the planet. Um, mm. That's a bit more ambitious, of course, very yep. tricky, and I work with a lot of different people to put that all together. That was probably about 20 years ago. Um, and then probably about 15 years ago, I was involved in modeling icebergs in the ocean, for example. And about five years ago, I got interested in the tropical world. And and I was um, able to make contact with colleagues in the Caribbean and West Africa who were concerned about an emerging problem of sargassum, which is a a prolific seaweed which grows in the open ocean and so I spent the last few years working with colleagues there um, on the how to better understand the emergence of this kind of ecological challenge which we think is related to the changing climate. Um, around the same time I've also been involved in working on how the changing Arctic is kind of reaching southwards and, and Kind of influencing the atmosphere and the weather in the middle latitudes. And right now, I'm about to start another big project next few years. Hopefully, before I retire, I'll be working on how the big currents of the Atlantic might be changing mm-hmm. over the next few decades and how that could have profound consequences for the climate. So, what I do in summary is I use lots of data, I use computers to model. Um, how the ocean and the atmosphere work together. Mm-hmm. And I, I go looking for problems that, that need solutions and try and help people, working with teams of people from different disciplines to figure out whether we can make useful contributions to better prediction and ultimately solutions to local problems. Awesome. Very exciting life that you've lived, I guess. Uh, you've been to West Africa and the Caribbean. That's, that's, that's amazing. Um, so your work has led you to travel quite a lot, I guess. Not too often, actually. I try to limit my travel, of course. Um, it's a privilege to travel. It's a privilege to be a scientist in this difficult time. Um, mm-hmm. And also to teach, actually. I work in the university, so I teach geography to students. Mm-hmm. And I'm really hopeful that some of them will go on to great things. Um, Absolutely. Yep. UK and so yeah, it's um, it's a good life. Um, hopefully, AI will leave us alone and we'll carry on working. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. It's going to replace us, but I don't think so. Anything <laughs> for humans. Okay. Oh, I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Mr. Marsh, and thank you so much for sharing um, and, and shedding so much light. Um, yeah. Really appreciate it. So, thank you so much. Have a really good day. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Goodbye. Thank you. Bye. Goodbye. Zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight. That's the number to call if you do want to get in touch with us. So we're looking at the topic of climate change, and uh, earlier when we were looking at the Islamic perspective, um, we were looking and we were mentioning the point that 
Islam mentions that we as humans, we are the custodians of the planet. And uh, this word is mentioned in the Holy Quran if we look to chapter 6, verse 165. Allah the Almighty mentions in the name of Allah the Gracious, the Merciful, that it is He who has appointed you as vicegerent on the earth. So here the the verse alludes to the fact that as as a as a human being, uh, you have a duty. We we all have a duty upon our shoulders, and uh, appointing humans as the vicegerent on Earth it means that we have to look after the planet, not only the planet but also uh, the animals and everyone. We have a duty towards that, and that is why, if we look at the life of the Holy Prophet peace be upon him, he was given the title of Rahmatulil Alamin. That which translates as the mercy for the whole of mankind. So not only was he a source of mercy for human beings alone, but also for animals, for the planet. He himself, you know, he he cared for the planet, and quite often you'd come across narrations of the Holy Prophet peace be upon him, where he would look after the animals as well. Um, such as there is a famous narration that at that time. Uh, a particular animal they were being branded uh, and the Holy Prophet peace be upon him very strongly discouraged that you should not brand uh, animals like that as you know this is very painful for the animals and uh, he discouraged that so in a nutshell we ourselves are very much responsible for the planet as well and another verse of the Holy Quran um, which comes to my attention is that Allah the Almighty mentions in the Holy Quran that eat and drink but exceed not the bounds surely he does not love those who exceed the bounds so this particular verse is alluding to the fact that Allah the Almighty says that we should not focus on living a extravagant life and rather than exceeding the bounds we should stay within our limits and uh, you know, look after the environment, and uh, you know, quite often, um, would would come across uh, a luxurious lifestyle where people, uh, you know, do do like to travel a lot, and you know, but we at at the same time, you know, we we should look after in the in the environment, and the best possible way to look after the environment is that if we stay within the bounds, if we don't exceed our limits in many things that we do any 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 final words on on uh, this topic brother Jalis? i believe uh, Tukir sahib you have uh, concluded very well um so i i would like to leave it at that i think i think you concluded very well thank you so much okay perfect so um th- we'll conclude this particular topic um and uh, we'll move on now to our next topic um and uh, we're looking at the topic high cholesterol symptoms you should never ignore so what what is the gist of the story here yes um absolutely so um we see that with the cvd being the leading cause of death worldwide it's important to raise awareness about its um, preventable factors and raise quality of life um so we're going to delve in the ways that which way where we can reduce our bad cholesterol and increase our overall good health um, we see that the Department um, of Surgery at the University of California claims that the pain in the feet can be caused by high cholesterol because of the fatty substance, um, it, it blocks blood supply to um, certain parts of the body. This condition is known as critical limb ischemia, 
the CLI. Um, and it can be reduced and it can reduce uh, blood flow to your hands and feet, potentially creating ulcers and sores and giving you nasty pains. Um, experts have said that CLI is a severe obstruction of the arteries, which marked um, reduced blood flow to the extremities. So that is the hands, feet and legs. And it progresses to the point of severe pain and even skin ulcers or sores. CLI is a very severe condition um, and it needs comprehensive treatment by vascular surgeon or vascular specialists. And this pain um, caused by CLI can wake up, uh, wake you up or even prevent you from falling asleep at night. That sounds horrible um, as it often strikes when you're lying down. You can, however, relieve some pain by hanging your leg over the bed or getting up and walking around for a few minutes um, to allow your blood flow to be flowing freely once more. In order to prevent the threat of high cholesterol, you must first get tested for the condition, which can be done via a finger prick test or by taking blood from your arm. There are also steps you can take in order to lower your cholesterol levels and the NHS states that dietary changes may be vital. Eating a balanced diet can help reduce your cholesterol levels. And according to Heart UK, you can make improvements by swapping foods in high saturated fats with those in unsaturated fats, such as oily fish, avocados, nuts, seeds and vegetable oils, um, such as olive oil. So that's, that, that's basically the gist that we have today and we'll be addressing the points that we'll be um, discussing will be the to, to raise awareness about cholesterol um, and in what ways uh, cholesterol levels in the body can be reduced and what are the symptoms, um, if any, of high cholesterol and what can be done about it. Absolutely. So very... Um important topic and uh, we've we've covered uh, when it comes to physical health we we have covered uh, this particular topic many times here on the voice of Islam radio station and we've highlighted the fact that as a Muslim why is it so important to look after our physical health as well um, uh, and and for this uh, particular segment uh, this what we'll be looking at uh, the Islamic perspective and uh, I do have some quotes here from the third caliph of the Amdi Muslim community. And uh, from this, uh, we can see that how much he encouraged that uh, the youth members of the community, they should look after their physical health. And uh, many a times he encouraged uh, that youth members, they should cycle a lot more. Uh, for example, um, once the third caliph was Mizan Nasir Ahmed, May Allah the Almighty have mercy on him. He mentioned, that, and I quote, that he said that why do you stand for buses and waste your time? Exercise, become healthy and ride a bicycle. I have said it before and I say it again today that in a short time I want 100,000 Ahmadi cycles. An Ahmadi cycle is that which is ridden by an Ahmadi. And these 100,000 Ahmadi cycles should have the ability to cycle up to 100 miles in a day. Furthermore, he while once uh, while addressing the Amdi Muslim Youth Association in Pakistan on the 2nd of November 1973, he mentioned, and I quote that, he said that there are thousands of other advantages to cycling too. 
For example, many have to go for household errands or shopping. And if you have a cycle, uh, you will save a lot of your quality time and the following glad tiding will also be fulfilled in your person that was given to the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, the founder of the Muslim community, in these words that you are the Sheikh, the Messiah, whose time shall not be wasted. Mm-hmm. Thus, we have to be attentive towards time saving and obtain maximum benefit from little time available so that those blessings may be fulfilled in ourselves as well. So such a beautiful yep. quote of the third caliph of the of the um, the Muslim community that he says that, you know, instead of wasting time, uh, you should just you know, just just cycle and then utilize your time as much yep. as possible. Um, as we know that the the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, Allah the Almighty revealed to him that, uh, you know, as as the quote is mentioned here, that you are the Sheikh, the Messiah, whose time shall not be wasted. Mm-hmm. And and we see how the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, throughout his life, how busy he was in defending Islam um, from different critics as well. And, and we know that if we gather all the different books and lectures together, he, he wrote over 100 a uh, hundred books um, in defending Islam, um, such as Brahina Ahmadiyya, which at that time when, when he had written it, even uh, critics such as uh, Muhammad Hussain Batalwi, uh, who became a very fierce opponent later on, he, even he wrote in one of his journals called Ishat al-Sunnah that he was very uh, much amazed how the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, had defended religion at that time. So, uh, in, in a nutshell, say, the the fact of the matter is that, um, you know, as we we ourselves should um, be very much scarce of our time as well, and uh, uh, instead of wasting our time, we we should, uh, you know, look after our physical health as well, um, and uh, that that's that's one point mm-hmm. um, I, I wanted to mention. Um, Brother Lee, any anything you want to shed? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, 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 the quotations that you mentioned right now, they're they're really good, amazing. I haven't really come across these quotations of the third caliph of um, the Ahmadi Muslim community. So this is amazing how he highlights the the necessary um, or the importance of saving time and writing um, and u- utilizing um, a cycle, u- u- utilizing a bicycle. So that's um, that's that, that's that's amazing. Um, just, just connecting with the bicycle, the the cycle part. Um, I don't know if you're aware. Um, I do live quite far away, so what I did was I actually bought a bike to mm. cycle to uh, to to Bethlehem in Morden. So um, that actually helped me quite a lot because I I don't get time to exercise when I'm at home. You so you cycle all the way from Catford. Wow. To, yeah, yeah. Wow. So I've I've done it a few times now, not too many times. Um, and it takes me roughly an hour and fifteen minutes, give or take. Wow. Um, uh, on car it takes fifty minutes depending mm. on traffic, mm. and I felt that I'm not exercising enough. I'm 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 I'm, I'm, I'm spending a lot of time in 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 Morden, but um, I don't I don't get time to um to exercise. So I thought I might as well invest in a bike and um, save some fuel and also exercise in the same time. So um, listening to the quotations that you just mentioned, that's that's amazing. That's that's, that's perfect. It um, it makes me really uh, happy. Obviously, with the weather nowadays, with the climate change and everything, <laughs> uh, I can't really um, cycle right now. Um, but uh, definitely, um, this is uh, this is amazing. Just um, going towards um, or um, 
taking to, uh, going back to our topic that is cholesterol um i, I don't know the case of do do you know what I, I i didn't know before um it, it's something that we hear a lot of high cholesterol like it's very bad you know mm. what what do, do you know what cholesterol actually is dude i i did not know myself i was like wow i hear so much i was like mm. what is this cholesterol is a vaccine substance found in your blood and your body needs cholesterol you your body actually needs cholesterol to build healthy cells but high levels of cholesterols can increase the risk of heart disease and stroke and other other um uh, uh, in this bracket you know related mm. issues um and with high cholesterol you can develop fatty deposits in your blood vessels and eventually these deposits grow uh, making it difficult for enough blood to flow through your arteries and sometimes these deposits can break suddenly and form a clot and cause a heart attack or stroke now we look towards the Islamic side. Like, what does Islam say about this? I mean, the, the, obviously, there's no specific um, instruction regarding cholesterol, but we have a generalized picture over here. And Islam teaches that the condition of the body affects the condition of the spirit. And thus, great care should be taken to keep one's body healthy and fit. And Islam further teaches that all food should be taken in moderation and nothing should be indulged into excess. And this is where in the Holy Quran it mentions that eat and drink, but exceed not the bounds. Surely he that is Allah, that is God, does not love those who exceed the bounds. So over here we see that anything in excess is actually bad for you. Cholesterol is good for you, but in excess it is, it is harmful. Um, and over here we see that Muslims are commanded to balance their food intake of animal and plant sources depending on, upon their physical needs environmental obligations and and personal choice um and this is something that is also um emphasized by our fourth caliph um, may allah have mercy on him um where he mentions that it is a commandment of the holy prophet peace and blessings of allah be upon him for the spiritual progress of the soul and it is important to look after physical health i I pass it towards you to keep solving. I mean, this is, um, I mean, again, cholesterol is something that, uh, I mean, it, it, it is good for you. There's good cholesterol as well, but also too much of anything is bad for you. And this is what Islam teaches. So I, I guess uh, someone who does have high cholesterol, uh, then they have more chance of a of a blood clot. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So that's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um you know, you learn something new every day. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I don't know myself. I was like, what is this cholesterol? Everyone talks about yeah, high cholesterol. Yeah. That. So this is the first one of the first things I checked up. I was like, what is cholesterol? <laughs> what is all the fuss about? <laughs> yeah. No, very, very interesting. I, mm. And um, I, I guess uh, another narration um, comes to mind of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. Uh, generally, uh, we see that he has given guidance on every sort of matter you can find and even when it comes to eating the holy prophet peace be upon him has been very um clear that uh, you know you should not uh overeat you should not exceed the bounds and he has said that even when it comes to eating one third of it uh, should be the food you consume mm-hmm. and uh, one third of of that meal should be the the water that you drink mm-hmm. and uh, then he said that one third is that you should leave uh, as in, you you should leave for for your for breathing, or you should you should yeah. leave alone. Meaning that uh, you shouldn't overeat, and then you should leave at least one third yeah. uh, space left within <laughs> within within your stomach. Absolutely. Um, so we we've looked at how important it is 
to look after one's physical health. And we've looked at some of the quotes of the third caliph of the Amdi Muslim community. But if we look at the life of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him as well, it's uh, interesting to note that when it comes to physical health, um, it's, it's narrated regarding the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him as well, that he also... Uh, I mean, at that time, um, they were physically fit anyway. They didn't have the mode of transport that we do have now. But uh, it's also narrated that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, he participated in a race with uh, with his wife, Hazrat Aisha, peace be upon her. And it's narrated that once uh, he beat his wife and the other time the Hazrat Aisha had beaten the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, mm-hmm. in the race. Yeah. And uh, the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, Azam Zagullah Mehmet, uh, the founder of the MD Muslim community, um, peace be upon him. He has also he would go on long walks, but also he is noted that he would exercise with uh, regularly with weights. And uh, the second caliph, um, he used to he he said that uh, the promised Messiah used to travel out of Qadian, uh for hunting, and once he participated in a race. With his children and servants on the river, on the banks of River Bayas, mm-hmm. and uh, furthermore, um, the second caliph he said that we inculcate the habit of physical exercise so that we can be lithe and active, and so that our limbs become strong, mm-hmm. and so that we gain courage, and uh, also. Um, once in a in during a shura um, within the within the community and shura is that when uh, a lot of the office bearers they come together and everyone gives different recommendation for the next following year and this had taken place on the 31st of March 1973 and uh, one particular topic of discussion was the bike riding scheme and his holiness regarding this said that cycling is an excellent form of exercise for maintaining good health and he said that if one rode a bicycle slowly one would be able to cover a distance of up to 100 miles a day and the Amdiya Muslim Youth Association Mm -hmm. from uh, he said that all over Pakistan they came at that particular moment to attend that this event on on bicycles and he said that if bicycle, if cycling became a habit when the need arose, our youth would immediately meet that need without waiting for other means of transport such as cars. And uh, on the 19th of July, 1973, during his visit to the UK, His Holiness, he even gave the uh, community here the target of training 100,000 active cyclists within the next seven years in the scheme has now spread to various parts of the world on even on occasions such as the um, the Jalsa Salana Benin in 2007. We know that 23 members from four regions around the country, they came on bicycles covering a difficult journey on of 117 kilometers to attend the Jalsa. And uh, this, uh, we know that even at this annual convention, we had members from Germany, from Ireland. Uh, they had all come in in big groups to 
attend the annual convention mm-hmm. and they then they and they cycled absolutely yeah that's, so yeah, that's uh, amazing yeah so it's it's very encouraging to see as well and uh, nowadays uh, jelis you, you would have come across these different apps as well like strava yep. strava is uh, very very beneficial um and uh, it encourages others as well mm-hmm. uh, you can invite your friends on there as well yeah. and i've seen a lot of um a lot of missionaries uh, yeah. they're they're actually on strava as well so it yeah. kind of motiv- we kind of motivate each other absolutely uh, yeah. on uh, going on long runs on on cycles so <laughs> it's a good way of motivating one another and we should utilize these apps as well mm-hmm. um and uh, recently i've i've come across um an a, a new app is that uh you must have seen you know the cycles here so mm-hmm. apps such as lime yep. and yep. uh forest yeah. you can use those apps just yeah. to use the electric e-bikes yeah, yeah absolutely and uh, i thought let me, let me give it a go <laughs> as well how was um it, i i really enjoyed it you, you get 10 minutes free right is like 10 minutes free i uh, yeah it, i, I oh, think something good. like that wow, but that's, uh, that's, that's good but yeah. the first time i tried uh, the forest yeah. e-bikes and uh, really really enjoyed it just good Uh, what I did was actually uh, it was a couple of weeks back and I when I presented on Friday mornings yeah. I just took a e-bike and ride <laughs> ride all the way to my house so that's, that's um, good that's good the good thing about e-bikes is that when you do get tired mm-hmm. uh the e-bike sort of helps you as mm-hmm. well with the ride so yeah. it's a bit of both mm-hmm. um and I guess it's it's always good to get a bit of fresh air definitely um so so I I'll, I'll definitely uh give a thumbs up to that yeah definitely yeah i think you should bike more more often yeah <laughs> especially in the morning yeah <laughs> uh, definitely and uh, i think um just lastly um i'll i'll mention this uh with regards to the third caliph himself it's written regarding azam zanasir and me allah have mercy on him that he himself he was a keen sportsman and he regularly took part in v- variety of sports from an early age and it is mentioned that once uh, he he himself said that I enjoyed playing hockey and also whenever I get the chance uh, I would participate in several other games such as football volleyball um tennis squash um and uh, he's mentioned a few other games such as kabaddi miru dabba mm. which is a balancing game uh kulitanda which is a bat and a ball game and uh, kali paranka which is a form of arm wrestling and he further said that there are there were many streams near kadyan where he says that i would often go for swimming and i regularly went for long walks as they are excellent form of exercise so having said that uh, islam itself encourages that uh, you know we we should look after our physical health as well and uh, if we are physically fit then we can perform our five daily prayers as well yep. um as uh, you know the the five daily prayers if you see that they're all spread out during the day mm-hmm. and uh, a person you know as as you mentioned earlier as well that uh, walking to the mosque and uh, every step would be would be a sadqa would be mm-hmm. a reward from allah the almighty um so even if someone Absolutely. who was to just focus on praying five daily da- their five daily prayers you know you'd yep. see that they need to be physically fit to perform that Absolutely yeah um just a little segue this is perfect i mean the the prayers that we have we uh, us as muslims we pray five times a day um and uh, 
It's, it's actually interesting. There's, there's a hadith, there is a saying, there's a saying of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, where he says that there is cure in salat, which is salat is prayer. Um, and we see there's, there's, interestingly enough, there's orthopedic benefits of prayer, of, of salat, of the practice of the Muslims. So we see that salat, that prayer, is an excellent form of exercise to prevent indigestion. And in the morning, we have uh, us as Muslims, we pray early in the morning. Um, and we in, in the morning, when the, when the stomach is empty, a Muslim is required to offer fewer number of rakat. Now, rakat are a unit of prayer in Islam. So in, 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 in the morning prayer, which is called Fajr, um, we are required to offer less rakat, so less unit of prayers. Whereas in the evening after dinner, we offer an extra number of rakat, extra number of unit of prayers. And then uh, before offering um, takbir, uh, which is um, w- w- which is when we uh, when we exalt um, Allah Almighty at the beginning of each prayer, we move our hand and shoulder muscles, thereby increasing the blood flow towards the torso. This is where our uh, hands um, raise and we, uh, we we touch our ears, ears, and this increase, increases the blood flow towards our torso. The most important function in our prayer and then an Islamic prayer is sajda, and sajda is prostration, and uh, this is where we touch the ground with our forehead, and this posture increases um, fresh blood supply um, to our brain, and it is also worth mentioning that certain forms of yoga um, also adhere uh, to these to these actions as well, and they stand on their heads for some time for the same purpose. We see in uh, the shahud, which is the sitting position. Um, our hip, elbow, knee joints, backbone, wrist joints move in a way that provides a form of relaxation to our entire body. Pressure is applied on the body parts as if it was a kind of massage which releases tension. So we have all these movements in prayer and we utilize them five times a day. And this is this this, this is a great form of exercise for uh, blood flow for um, for overall health. Um, again, this is the, 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 I found this really interesting. I found this really um, this orthopedic benefits of uh, salat, and this is adhering to the the saying of the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him that verily there is cure in salat. Absolutely, and uh, I guess when it comes to the topic of salat, we do have a small clip uh, that we want to play uh, for our listeners as well and. Uh, uh, this is an answer which Hazrat Mazamsur Ahmed, the Caliph of the Amdiya Muslim community, uh, he's answered on the importance of Salat. So we're just going to be playing that for you now. My question is, what is the importance of Salat? You see, Allah Ta'ala has said in the Holy Quran that uh, that I have created jinn and human being, and that is also human being, the, the big people and the poor people, and an ordinary person and a rich man to worship me. And Allah is not going to get benefit out of it. If we worship Allah Ta'ala, we are going to get, we are going to gain something out of it. And uh, you see, sometime so many people have experienced that uh, when they pass through some sufferings, as the other boy asked, 
and when they pray to Allah Ta'ala to remove and bring me out from these sufferings and then Allah Ta'ala listen to their prayers yes you stand there stand here stand here Allah Ta'ala listen to their prayers and uh, remove the sufferings free the person from the sufferings and you know and then at the same time we also gain the love of Allah Ta'ala and always remember that this is not the only life we are passing through in this world eh? there is another life to come and that is hereafter and that is the eternal life there Allah Ta'ala will also reward us from worship and following his commandments right okay yeah. so when you have any problem you should try to pray and seek Allah Ta'ala's help in solving your problems right but at the same time you have to be regular and punctual in offering five time daily prayers not that when you come across any problem then you go to the mosque and pray to Allah Ta'ala or you just stand in the corner of your house and just start doing Salat no you have to be regular in offering your prayers then Allah Ta'ala will listen to your prayers okay So that was uh, His Holiness Hassan Zamsur Ahmed, the current head of the Amdi Muslim community, um, giving the answer on uh, the importance of Salat. And uh, when it comes to Salat, uh, a very powerful uh, narration of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, comes to our mind. Um, and uh, that is that uh, once um, a companion of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, he asked the Prophet on the importance of Salat and uh, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, he explained it in a very beautiful manner and he exp- he explained to the companion and he said that, well, look, do you see the stream which is running outside? If you were to take a bath within that stream five times a day, would there be any dirt left on your body? And uh, to that, the companion, he replied that, no, uh, Prophet, Prophet, there won't be any dirt left on my body. And uh, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, said that this is the effect that uh, the Salat it has on our soul. Um, that if we can continuously look after our spirituality, if we continuously remember Allah the Almighty, uh, it is the same, uh, you know, just as we cleanse our physical body, the same applies to our spiritual body as well, to our spiritual nourishment. And uh, I remember the fourth caliph often, he used to say in his question and answer sessions is that, uh, you know, we, we ourselves we look after our, uh, our the, the food nourishment of what we eat as well. And we eat three times a day. We, we have to constantly eat. But then a lot of the times uh, in between that we're regularly taking snacks yeah. we're having snacks and especially uh, here in the UK yeah. snacks is a very common thing Absolutely. you know you want to have biscuits you want to have your tea yeah. you want to have your crisps uh, you know yeah. so 
in a way we're always constantly eating we're always eating so just as we're looking after our our our, our physical health as well similarly uh, we should look after our spiritual health as well and for that Allah the Almighty has mentioned in the Holy Quran as well that we should prostrate towards Allah the Almighty and in Islam we prostrate towards Allah the Almighty uh, five times a day but then apart from that as well there is the voluntary prayers as well um so may Allah the Almighty enable all of us that we truly benefit from that um and and I guess uh, with that uh, brother Jalees we can conclude this segment yep. and uh, I uh, want to thank uh, the producer for this week's show, Basira Siddiqui, for her hard work. And also the te- the researchers, the, her team, uh, Tahirim, Aman, Nargis, uh, they are all worthy of gratitude. So thank you so much for a great production uh, that you've made for, for, for this morning. Um, and also uh, we wanted to thank the tech team as well. Um, for their hard work in the background as well and we certainly hope that you have enjoyed the show do give us your feedback uh, you can do that on going on twitter on voice of islam uk um or you can even uh, you can even call us um on uh, on our live shows as well if you do have any question anything you want to ask the presenters you can call us on 8 uh, or for more information to listen to any of the programs again, uh, you can go on our website on www.voiceofislam.co.uk. Uh, so with that, we hope you've enjoyed the show. And uh, until next time, until next Friday, um, as- uh, Assalamu alaikum from both me and Jalees here in the studio of Voice of Islam.